Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. So I have to say, today's guest is probably well known to each and every one of my listeners out there, especially in the legal community. But for those of you who don't know Debbie Henry, welcome, Debbie. I'm so excited to have you tell your story. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. And Susan, I'm a big fan of your amazing work. So what a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Well, thank you for that. That was super sweet. So today's show, as every day's show, is all about the guests. So I cannot wait to learn more. I know you'll own your story and tell us um, all the wonderful things that you've been up to. You'll, you're not afraid to share authentically. So let's get going. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Debbie? Sure. Uh, so I was raised in New York in the New York City suburbs and went to Yale for college and took off a couple of years after that and worked for the Manhattan DA's office. And then I went to law school in New York at Brooklyn Law School. And after that, um, clerked in the Eastern District of New York and then started at a um, a law firm after that, and then relocated to Philly. But let me mention also that um, my parents are um, have been amazing inspirations to me in my life, and they're thankfully healthy in their 80s. And I have a sister, Susie, and a brother, Joel, who I'm really close to. Um, my husband and I actually met through a blind date in New York, and then we relocated to Philly more than 20 years ago. And we had our first son in New York, and then we had another two sons in Philadelphia. And I stopped practicing law in the early 2000s and started my first business then, and then started a subsequent business in um, actually nine years ago uh, in 2011, and have never looked back from leaving the practice of law and becoming a business person and um, awesome. really... Yeah. I want to ask you about that. So that is quite a dreamy journey that you've been on. I love it. Um, you just shared some things with me that I did not know about you. And I don't know everything about every guest. In fact, some guests I don't know at all or anything about them. But I thought I knew you. And this was surprising. What a great journey. I had no idea that you had done all that before you started your business. Um, really great to hear. Why are you so excited that you made that transition to the business world from the legal world? I know you still work in legal, but what makes you so excited yeah. about the business it world? Was, you know, it's interesting. I really never liked practicing law. And in 1999, I, it was shortly after I relocated to Philadelphia. Um, I had recently had my second son. And I was sort of miserable practicing. And I felt that as I'm a Gen Xer and I felt that the baby boomer women had to make even harder choices than I did. And I felt that the women who were my peers were really trying to play an integral role in their kids' lives and also be on a fast track to, you know, a steep trajectory to success at the same time. And, and I felt really the first generation, it felt like that we're really trying to do both at the same time together. And I, in 1999, sent out an email to six lawyers and said, hey, I'm starting a brown bag lunch group for lawyers interested in work-life issues. The first event will be at my firm. Forward the invite to anyone you who's interested. Genius. And within a, I, I was, 
Yeah. And, well, and not at all. It was really just kind of, I was unhappy, wanted to reach out and see if anybody else was out there and 150 people email me back in response. And okay. Okay. So hang so, on. That's totally genius. You didn't have a, a I'm sure that you didn't have, you, you were not, um, you didn't have a desired outcome from that. You were in that moment saying, you know, I need camaraderie. I want to know what others are going through. But to me, exactly. yeah, so someone whose life is, is all about lifting others, I find that genius and just a remarkable thing to do. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Well, I don't, I mean, thanks for that. But in truth, it really wasn't. It was that I had had a few lunches occasionally with some colleagues and we would talk about sort of what works for us, what doesn't. And then when I reached out to, you know, sent that six person email and got that overwhelming response in 1999, I thought something's going on here. Nobody's addressing work-life issues in the profession. And then I started running monthly events and sort of tried to capitalize on what was this movement? What was this conversation that nobody was having, but everybody was really facing? And so that from there, that was the inspiration after running what became monthly events in Philadelphia for the next three years on a pro bono basis and sort of trying to get a pulse on what the issues were and how could I be a resource on it and, and really who was struggling, which was at the time largely women. After three years of doing that pro bono, I left law and really became a public speaker and advocate and writer on what became women's issues in the law and then more broadly after that. Wow. So if you're not comfortable accepting the label genius, how about I just say that was powerful. The move that you made was powerful. It certainly uh, birthed an entirely uh, new direction, entire new direction for you and for others, I'm sure. If you're on Twitter, and I, I know you are, yes. See all the young female attorneys sharing openly, openly the same concerns, fears, you know, the things that bother them. That's still happening. You, you exactly. are, you totally revealed something. You didn't create it. You revealed it. It was in all of these women. Um, so, wow. Um, Thank you uh, for that. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty amazing. Um, when you can strike a chord and find shared values or even shared pain points and you agree to work together to eliminate the pain or to um, increase the good and you know minimize the bad that's amazing um, let me ask you this what a great journey you've had a really robust career and it's I'm sure you're going nowhere you're gonna be around for a long time doing all this great stuff but what so far has been your proudest professional accomplishment I think what I'm most proud of is that what was this 150 person network in Philadelphia that I identified in 1999, by 2008, that network was over 10,000 lawyers nationally. I, I had the um, benefit of getting some pretty significant press exposure. And when I stopped practicing law, I started speaking around the country. And through those speaking events, as well as New York Times, Wall Street Journal, those types of features, this network grew to 10,000 plus lawyers. And in 2008, one of my, um, somebody who I knew when the market crashed, he reached out to me, this guy, Gary Berger, and he said, hey, you know, 
um, he had his own law firm and, and, and he said, hey, you know, clients keep on calling and asking to borrow my lawyers. I don't want to decline them because they'll go elsewhere, but I only have 20 lawyers at my firm. I know you have this huge network of lawyers. Can I tap into that and start sending them out to do some work for my clients? And so Gary had a law firm colleague, Susie Scanlon, and the three of us started dispatching lawyers from to um, Gary's law firm clients through my network. By 2011, the demand had gotten so great, we co-founded a company called Bliss Lawyers, and through that company, we started sending out lawyers to work in jobs at Fortune 500 companies around the country. And in February, that company, Bliss Lawyers, was acquired by Axiom, our largest competitor. And so wow. what I'm most proud of is really that. Well, what what was what was really powerful for me, at least, was that in 1999, this collection of 150 Philadelphia women who were very disenfranchised and many of them working flexibly and being undervalued, then you know through the company Bliss, ultimately this network became the core for employing lawyers around the country, getting lawyers back to work and getting them top jobs. And that's something I'm really proud of. I, so Debbie, wow. I lo first of all, I've heard of Bliss, of course. Um, secondly, I didn't realize that was you. <laughs> so shame <laughs> on me. But so what a great name, um, Bliss Lawyers. That I always thought that was really great because it evokes feel good um, thoughts about being a lawyer, which as you earlier, <laughs> As you earlier said. Doesn't usually conjure up. Exactly. It's in my right. world, we call it expectancy violation theory. So <laughs> you, know, you um, violated my expectation. But yeah, that's amazing. So I didn't realize that Axiom um, is now in the picture. Uh, they, yeah. should, they should take this. They should take that yeah. name. But, <laughs> you know. I don't know about that, but we are really fortunate. They acquired us about a month before the world imploded with COVID. So um, it's really Good timing, right? Lucky. Yeah. Well, not lucky. It's all strategy. It's all. <laughs> it was very lucky. Yes. Well, I'll say this. Axiom is great. I love what they do. And I, I loved what Bliss did. So it makes a perfect marriage, if you ask me. So thank you. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I love it. Thanks. Well, let me ask you this. So my cheeks are burning from smiling because I love a happy story. And that's definitely a happy story. Um, let me ask you this. Who was maybe a mentor to you? Or uh, you said your parents inspired you, but who else maybe inspired you throughout, you know, your journey thus far? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was, I've been asked that question before and I, I think about it and I, I really find that um, I know it may feel and sound cliche, but I would really say it's my parents. I think really the inspiration that I have is about how to hopefully be a good person and less about how to achieve. And I think if you are able and fortunate to develop interests in things where there's actually a market need and then you can create opportunities for others, it is both rewarding and also, um, you know, hopefully you can be successful at it. I, I had a really, um, I have had a very nonlinear career. I've always worked, um, but I, there's no one who has been, you know, sort of a model to me in terms of running the business that I have because it's been so alternative. I think, you know, what I have seen in my father is that he, um, he's actually the first feminist I ever knew and 
has advocated nice. for me and, you know, uh, advocated actually against the temple board for me to have one of the first bat mitzvahs on a Saturday morning, which um, was a big deal back then in yeah. conservative Judaism. And my mother was a working mom and got her PhD at night starting when I was two. And that was a model that I emulated. And so the composite of the two of them really, um, they really have been both my inspirations as well as my mentors. And I just try to incorporate some of the lessons that they've given me in the work that I do. You are so fortunate. That is such a great story. So I, I like you, uh, look to my father, who's long past, but he was my greatest inspiration and my biggest sponsor, not just mentor, but he, he gave me props when I wasn't even there to hear them. But I love that you speak so lovingly of your parents. And in, it's not just because we love our parents because they brought us yeah. to the world, but they served as really great examples in business and what to do and uh, you know, resilience and fortitude. I mean, going to school at night to get your PhD, that's incredible. That's incredible. Right. After having three kids. I mean, it was yes. really, and yeah. And I think my, you know, it's funny now it sounds really sexist, but my father really in particular raised me to be an athlete. And he used to say things like, don't throw like a girl and stuff. Just like really rate my parents raised me. Like you can do anything the boys can do. Um, and it impacted me. There's no question in the irony of sort of now raising, having raised three boys on my own and trying to impart those values in them in terms of their interactions with women has been an interesting uh, exercise full, coming full circle. Well, look, the world thanks women like you who raise sons to be that way. Um, mm -hmm. I am a boy mom too. I only have one, but he certainly knows the do's and don'ts and what's right and wrong. And um, even when he makes a mistake, even in jest, he'll catch himself and say, I know that's not what, you know, <laughs> I didn't say that. And I'm like, don't even joke like that because it'll become habit or rote and you won't, you know, think before you speak, it'll just come out. So I love that you're a boy mom. First of all, I have so <laughs> much fun being a boy mom. Um, I'm sadly losing mine. He's 19. He's going. Yeah. It's hard. Wow. It's it's really hard to let go. I found yeah. it really hard. So how old are your kids? So my oldest is 24 and then my middle is 22 and my youngest is 18. So um, Oh, so yeah. Close in age. They're all living at home right now in this COVID world. Um but they were we were empty nesters for about 6 months. <laughs> and that was fun. <laughs> how was that? Let me ask. You know what? It was it was super fun. I was actually anxious about it because I'm so sentimental and was yeah. really afraid I was going to have um, my my youngest is a sweetheart, and I was really thought I would have tremendous separation issues. But the truth is, you know, as a working mom, I've been rushing for 24 years and and always guilt ridden about what I may potentially miss. So having the luxury of my kids gone, feeling like they're happy and thriving, and if that's the case, then I've done really what I'm supposed to do. And, exactly. you know, to, to be able to spend some time with my husband and not be rushing in the same way and stuff is actually for the six months that it lasted. It was great. <laughs> now we're back to like trying to just keep food in the house, which is no easy feat with the three of them. True, true. Um, I love that you're so genuine about that because uh, I think every mom, well, this mom, I can only speak for myself, but I'm worried about the same thing. Like when my son went off to college, I was 
heartbroken, it, but he's, he's fine. He, you know, he's back home now too, because of right. team, but he's fine. And we did our jobs and they're ready yes. to fly free and we should be happy about that. But of course we want to be needed by them always. And we will be, you know, your sons will call you yeah. this, that and the other stuff. So. You're awesome. What a great yeah. mom. Um, so let me ask me you. Oh, thanks. That, he's the reason I breathe. And if you knew my story, you would see why. But um, I can tell you're that way with your kids. I hope to well. hear it. You will. You will. I have a feeling we will continue our conversations. So many great ideas are spinning around in my head, um, which we won't talk about now because I want this to be all about you. Um, however, I do want to shout out to how I met you. Um, so folks, if you're listening uh, and you didn't know Debbie, you're going to love this story. And if you do know Debbie, you're going to love it and not be surprised. But in my session that I did in San Diego, not too long ago, I was on the stage and I called for some volunteers from the audience and she was courageous enough to volunteer without even knowing what I was going to ask her to do. So I courageous or stupid. pretty bold. <laughs> I was very impressed. And you um, took it upon yourself to engage in this exercise that I asked you to do, which uh, the exercise does many things beyond the obvious. The obvious is to have you communicate through body language and facial expression, not using words or sounds. But it also reveals your uh, threshold for vulnerability, like the fact that you came up there not knowing the assignment and then engaging in the assignment in front of an audience of, I don't know, however many people were there. That shows that you own your story. You're not afraid to be vulnerable. You understand that vulnerability is a sign of strength and that gives permission to others to be authentic and vulnerable as well. So I was highly impressed. Um, I probably should have given you something more than that book <laughs> after. But, well, you did a beautiful job and huh. you made it very easy for all of us. So it was really well done. Well, thanks. Y'all were awesome. So thank you for doing that. Let me ask you this, because you know that everything I do is about lifting women. Um, as we rise, we should lift others. What do you think? And, and it can be grand or it can be not so grand. It, it can be something we do every day. What do you think we can do to support, support other women in business? I think actually what is important is, first of all, anybody that we support in business and we put our name behind, we have to make sure they're good. That is very easy. There's tremendous female talent out there, but we shouldn't just support women because they happen to be women. We want to make sure that anybody we put our name behind is really talented. And again, that's not hard, but it is important that it's the basis for the support is not solely because they're women. But secondly, What's important in my mind is actually giving them business opportunities. So I think that some women think, oh, they're being supportive by having them be part of a women's initiative, for example. I'm a big fan of women's initiatives. I think they do great things, but that isn't necessarily elevating somebody's business. So instead, being able, you know, if there's a majority women-owned business, for example, that's offering services that your company uses and needs, that hiring, that woman-owned business entrepreneur, that's what makes a difference, is really using your professional leverage to bring somebody up in a professional context as opposed to something that's social that may feel good but actually not have the same deliverable. And then in turn, when you have success, when you've employed that woman entrepreneur or woman lawyer or whomever it is that you end up engaging, if they are good, 
telling the world. It's all about sharing those that information and being generous in promoting others who are contributing to you and your community in a positive way. That's a powerful answer, Debbie. I'll say um, a little provocative there, but I love it because honestly, if you you know refer everyone or, or give a testimonial to everyone, or then you your your word is not as strong, right? If you, exactly. you don't use discretion, um, that's no one's ever said that before. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm now I'm potentially regretting it, but I guess we're being recorded, so I'll no, have to get no, I think it's powerful, <laughs> and you know, it's 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 sort of the thing everyone thinks but doesn't say out loud. You know what I'm saying? Right, um, right. You know, I've done that's one of my many. It's <laughs> one of my many foibles. Is uh, I don't hold back. <laughs> I think that you should wear that as a badge of courage. Like that's pretty powerful that you said that. Um, it, it's um, of 160 some odd podcasts I've hosted. I've never had a man or woman say that, but it's the truth. It is a yeah. truism. You really mm -hmm. your your recommendation, referral, or testimonial is only as as good as the you know if you're discretionary about it. You know if right. you use discretion in your um, who do you align your reputation with? Um, I know I met you because Pat Gillette aligns openly with me. So that's how I had the opportunity to meet the wonderful you. Um, oh, well, she's so incredible. And she did the same thing with me is that I had heard from you. And, uh, you know, she's like, she, Susan's fabulous. And, and Pat and I are dear friends. So anything Pat says, I, I go with. So really <laughs> I'll tell you a funny very story. Um, Pat is like, I mean, she's the, the woman we all want to be, aspire to be, you know, strive to be. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so I'll say that. I'll never, you know, I have had... Good for you. Yeah, so so that's the thing. A lot, I, my whole universe is filled with lawyers. I'm married to a litigator. I mean, they all hate it. <laughs> they all hate it. I'm like, <laughs> we need to change the operating system. We need to get rid of the billable hour or make it less... Um, I mean, it's sort of like Game of Thrones being a lawyer today, you know, it's like, um, so yeah. So other than that, um, I, I feel I'm a mini Pat in many ways. We, we have the same empathetic yeah, mind wonderful. and heart. Yeah, she's great. I, I want to get her to, to host a podcast. That's what I want to get her to do. So I think she'd be great. Very cool. Yeah, yes. let me ask you this. You, um, I know that you've had and will continue to have a very robust career. And um, I feel like I know you now and I like the person I know. Let me, you know, I'm sure it hasn't always been easy though. You know, there've been some challenges or maybe even setbacks. If you're willing to share, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you overcame those? Yeah, it's interesting. I have, um, I've thought about this question also a lot in my career and I have something to share, which I think is kind of an ironic thing that has been um, a challenge. It's interesting when I alluded to this before, I, I was an athlete um, growing up really. I used to started running with my father at age four and then played sports through college. And um, I've always been athletic and I feel that anything professionally um, any any professional success I've had is is a lot of it is attributable to learning how to compete and lose and be part of a team and and those sorts of things and it was always with this community of girls first and then women and 
that has always been my network. I, I derive enormous strength from my female friendships and, and things like that. But when I think about my professional challenges, ironically, I built this network of what became over 10,000 lawyers who were largely women. So the, the work I have done, so much of my advocacy and writing is around women and so much of the support that I've really had throughout my life has been through women. That said, I would say a few of the setbacks I felt that I've had have been directly through and the result of women's organizations and, and sort of collaborations with women. It may be just because I have concentrated in those areas. And so as a result, like inevitably that happens, but there've been a few times where I've you know, either wanted entree into a certain network and it's a women's network or some sort of women's advocacy and I've been rebuffed and it's been particularly challenging because I've, I really found it, um, first of all, personally, you know, hurtful because that's the work I'm doing is advocating for women. So to be re rebuffed anytime by a women's network feels really painful, but more importantly to the issue behind it is that I find there's sort of a contradiction that a lot of my work around female advocacy is about, you know, women, for example, effectively self-promoting without being the obnoxious self-promoter or developing executive presence, things like that. And when I have been rebuffed, I almost have felt that there's a bias like, oh no, she's, she's, she's getting too much visibility or that kind of thing. So it's kind of the irony of these women's groups that are supposedly advocating for these things, but sometimes when they see those qualities in a woman leader, they end up rejecting it, ironically. I hope that's clear what I mean by that, but that is, to me, it has been a personal intermittent challenge. And I started explaining that through the sports because interestingly, I never found that. As a female athlete, I, I always felt fully supported and it was only once I became an entrepreneur and I really put myself out there in a very deliberate, um, you know, vocal way that I began to face that. And I, there have only been a few instances, but each time it's happened, it's felt very familiar and unfortunate. So Debbie, I didn't want to interrupt because this is the most powerful thing I, I personally have conversations about. Um, that was very courageous. I, I'm almost, so this is stumping me a bit because you're tapping into something personal. I too mm -hmm. have been on the receiving end of what I call mean girls, regardless of their age and stage mm -hmm. in life or career, they are mean girls. And the reason you likely did, and yes, it's, it's not because you hung out mostly with women's groups. Women are meaner to women than anyone is, right? So when you experience this, it's, it's less likely you experienced it with athletes because those were top of their game athletes. They're confident in their work and what they do. They know they're good at it. That's why they're competing. But when you got into the business sector as an entrepreneur, these women who are trying to do what you do or do something similar, or even competing for dollars, even if what they do is different, it's the same comes from the same budget. They are fear filled. They are seeing you as a threat, a competitor in, in the worst way, which you're not. I mean, we should be collaborating. We should be shining a light on our differences. Uh, even the message that I share, other women out there share the message. They just do it in a different language. And what's wrong with having this great message spoken in various languages? 
So I'm sorry you went through that. Um, I feel your pain. I empathize. Pat has been there for me to, you know, cry on her shoulder, if you will, or bend her ear. Yeah. Um, I have been through it's, that. And I don't know why women do that. It's, it's, you know, I do it's know. interesting. And yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. I was going to say, I, I do know why they do that, but that's a whole nother podcast conversation. But I want you to know you keep your head up. You do great things. You're an amazing uh, one. You're amazing in your own right, but you're also amazing uh, as a, a leading by example, a person who leads by example. So um, don't thank let you. that. And what, you know, thank you for that. And Pat and I have shared many conversations on that subject. I think what I would add to it and why it's tough to share that kind of information is not only again, because it's personally hurtful, but I always, I, when I, I the, there's a concern that, oh, if you say this, then, you know, the men will feel off the hook or they'll just say, oh, see, it's, you know, you're, you're all your own problems, that kind of right. thing. And it, it's really not about that. And it's, I struggled when I wrote my first book, Law and Reorder, I struggled about, do I include a chapter on this subject or not? And I didn't want to betray women. But then I also said, you know, I know I'm not alone in this. And if I don't have the courage to, name this and identify it and most importantly provide solutions around it then we're not going to progress here so i ultimately did include that chapter and it is always with some reticence and it's always you know it's a double-sided coin because again on the one hand like there's no one who's pushed my career and my life forward more than these you know this circle of women you know sisters who've been incredible but there is definitely a thorniness to it yeah. that can't be ignored. And I think if we ignore it, we, we really ultimately do our, all of ourselves a disservice. When you hurt one woman, you hurt all women, whether they realize it or not. You, you know, so I'll say without get, getting into too much detail here that um, I had never faced that ever in my life until my 50s. Like you, mm, when I started my own business, it was when... Um, it's almost like they came out of the darkness. You know, it's like, who so are you? <laughs> yeah. I don't need this. Yeah, exactly. You're better than that. And, you know, what we have to do as a strategy in that case is pity them and move forward. Just keep marching yeah. on. Yeah. So right. don't give them your power. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're very powerful. You lead by example. You have an amazing story. Um, I actually had typed in the little chat box because I didn't want to interrupt you. But while you were telling your story, I had typed the words, you are amazing. And I just now hit <laughs> so you'll see it. But I love that you have so much courage. You have shared a lot that took courage, you know, that, that, Thank that you. you're keeping it real. And that's what, that's what this conversation should be about. And I'm blown away by your um, ability to articulate your story in such an authentic and powerful way. Um, Thank you. Let me ask you this. Um, you clearly have overcome that challenge because you are shining brightly. I'm sure the women who hurt you and who have hurt other women are, you know, who are they? What, you know, I've never heard of them, but we all know you and we have all heard of you and we love what you do. Um, tell us something we don't know about you, perhaps. Tell us a surprising fact that maybe even Pat doesn't know. Um, Pat does know this, but this is so integral to my story that, um, and, and many people don't know this about me. Um, when I was 26 and a newlywed, I was with my husband on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and wasn't feeling well and raced back to our New York City apartment. And I 
had a grand mal seizure. Oh. And my, the emergency room diagnosis was a brain tumor. And five days post-seizure, I underwent brain surgery. And wow. the brain surgeon found a very rare parasite that's typically found in Latin American countries. I'm really not the demographic. And, but the bottom line was that after a few months of prophylactic antibiotics and being legitimately very spooked for a period of time, sure. I was really good as new. And the reason why that is a valuable thing for me to share is it really informed most of the major decisions in my life following that because it gave me the confidence to take smart risks and, and not stay in, you know, in this case, you know, a career that wasn't exciting to me. And it has really pushed me to get out there and, you know, share information that I think will hopefully be helpful to other people. And I don't think I would really have the courage to do that had I not had that really significant experience at such a young age. Again, you blow me away. Again, that is, I've never heard of anything like that. So that, it was pretty freaky. <laughs> I know, right? I'm thinking this is like the Matrix or something. <laughs> um, so it's so great how at such an early age, though, you were given that um, life choice to choose, you know, um, perspective or not. You learned from right. that. You, you, you see what I mean? So uh, yeah. that's amazing. Wow. I hope we continue our conversations after the podcast is over and that we continue to connect and reflect together. Cause you're, I think we definitely will. Yeah. You're one remarkable woman. You're like, you're like one woman who has all the best of many women inside her oneself. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know about that. It's super generous, <laughs> but I, I do feel very impolite that I haven't asked you a single question. So we will definitely continue this conversation so I can appropriately learn all the great things about you other than of course, what I've read and, and your reputation, which precedes you. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Well, I'll say I'm pretty open, um, pretty open, honest, and direct, as you seem to be as well. Um, some people like it, some people don't. The speed of Susan is not for everyone, but I have great intent, a huge heart, a big, bright mind, and together, I, I like to bring people like you into my life and, and share, share people like you with my network. So thank you for being here and for being you. Um, I want to ask you, though, I'm sure a lot of listeners want to know how to reach you. I will write a blog, as everyone knows. But for those who only listen to the podcast and don't go to the blog, how can they reach you? Thank you for that and for all of your kind words. And, of course, again, inviting me to be your guest. Um, the best way to reach me is to go to my website, which is my full name, which is DebbieEpsteinHenry.com. And you can just Google me, um, Debbie Epstein Henry. And, um, there you'll find video clips of my work. There's tons of articles you can download for free and um, hopefully benefit from. And um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter again with just going by my full name, Debbie Epstein Henry. So thank you. Everywhere. And I love it. Everywhere. Everywhere I want to be for sure. So thank you for sharing. You're incredible. I'll have this blog ready in about 48 hours and we'll share it with the world. And hopefully um, you and I can catch up soon because I'm so intrigued by you. You're really, all the women I wow. have on the show are incredible, but you're, um, you've left me with a sense of curiosity, a hunger to know more. 
<laughs> That's very kind. And I feel the same way. So we will definitely follow up and I look forward to that. All right, everybody have a great day and thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. <laughs>